Welcome to Archaeopolitics, a podcast about politics in the wizarding world of Harry Potter. I'm Erin. And I'm Adri. And we are two recovering English majors. Today, we'll be discussing the politics of weakness in Chapter 9, Grim Defeat of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban by J.K. Rowling. guys so last episode uh we talked about professor lupin and how he's a pisces and i made fun of aaron for being professor trelawney but then this week happened or rather friday happened aaron you have stuff to share with us i do so after two years of trying and about three months of actively trying to manifest this through our morning voice memos I have found out that I am going to be pregnant with child. Uh, it's my first. My husband and I are ecstatic. And lo and behold, it happens to be a Pisces. And it feels like I am the real Trelawney in the situation. And this is a weight and a burden that I did not ask for. <laughs> this is... Um, a knowledge of the future that I did not want. Listen, Adriana, all the great seers never asked for it, okay? It just happened to them, all right? This, you're just <laughs> bestowed with this power. I'm sorry that you don't have a choice in it, but do expect many handwritten letters to you. <laughs> or I might even, actually, I might even, like, nickname, because I feel like Trelawney, when she actually has her true vision, she's somebody other than Trelawney, right? Like, she's, like, this vessel for this message. So I'm going to name the vessel that is your divination tool. I haven't come up with a name yet, but I'm going to address handwritten letters to it with questions. It could range from anything. Questions about my unborn baby, questions about my career, questions about the world at large. But, you know, and it might not be a hit every time, but like Trelawney, when you have that one clear vision, it's going to be totally worth it. I mean, who would have thought that on Saturday when I said, you need a new, I think you need a Pisces in your life, I meant the baby growing inside of you. Right, because it was already growing. That's what's yeah. crazy to me. Yeah. And I, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I just started my fifth week, so I found out pretty dang early, which I'm really happy about, but like, it's almost like you sensed that. It's like you knew. I am pretty powerful is what I'm realizing in this moment. And with great power comes great responsibility. Just and um, getting choked up, not really. I, I'm just like, I'm over the moon, obviously, that it is you and not me who's pregnant. <laughs> I'll never forget the text message that you sent me. You were like, this is, this is a pregnancy I'm happy to hear about or some such. It was hilarious. I, I, if I may quote myself, I have never been happier about a pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And I have never been happier about a missed period. <laughs> <laughs> true, true, true. All right. So, so, yes, listeners, gentle listeners, I am your new divination professor is what we're learning. And this is what happens when you make fun of people. You become 
the, the thing that you were making fun of them for. That's, okay. that's the lesson here. That is the lesson here. No, no good deed goes un, unpunished, Adriana. See, I was trying to be more like Professor Lupin, but really I wasn't in my heart. And that's what happens. But I mean, there are worse professors to be. Like Snape, who is an absolute fucking turd in this chapter. I mean, at large, generally, yes. But specifically, this chapter. And speaking of this chapter, it is my turn to do the chapter summary. And we begin. Okay. So the staff is looking for Sirius Black in the castle and everyone is wondering how he was able to get in. And Hermione's like, hasn't anyone read Hogwarts A History? What the fuck? Um, so the professors were unsuccessful in finding him. Snape is being Snape. Womp womp. Um, our friend Sir Cardugan is the new portrait for Gryffindor Tower. And he's challenging students to duels and he keeps changing the password because why not, right? <laughs> um, McGonagall tells Harry about Sirius and how he's after him and worries he shouldn't practice at night. And Harry's like, but, by the way, I already knew this, but please, 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 please let us practice. I want to win the Quidditch Cup. And she's like, hmm, okay. Uh, maybe Madame Hooch should be in your practices. Um, the Slytherins use Malfoy as an excuse to skip the match and instead they have to play Hufflepuff. Um, Harry is late to Defense Against the Dark Arts to see Snape filling in for Lupin. He wants to he wants them to learn about werewolves instead of whatever Lupin wanted them to read about. Um, for some reason, dun dun dun. Uh, Ron gets detention for sticking up for Hermione after Snape gets on her, and the ma- after the match, well at the match. Harry uh, sees the Grim, the Dementors close in, Harry falls and wakes up in the hospital wing, his broom has been decimated, the end. Oh yeah, this is a really busy chapter, a really, really busy chapter. Oh yeah, but then in this chapter we're going to be talking about the politics of weakness. There are many an instance. Oh, aren't they? But before we go into like what politics we see as weakness um so i think in in weakness i think about um how people like to exploit weakness as a tool for control Mm. so like so like looking at someone seeing their weakness or vulnerability and exploiting that instead of using that as a tool for empathy oh i have a great example about that i have to interject i have like because that is like so perfectly worded it makes me think about scott tucker of payday loans um So Scott Tucker, if you're not familiar with payday loans, um, created basically an empire that um, worked off of the weakness that impoverished people have, which is a lack of money. And Mm -hmm. he recently was uh, convicted for 16 years, justice. Uh, But prior to that, he had exploited poor people and made literally millions of dollars off of that weakness, off of that inability to, you know, make ends meet between paycheck to paycheck. And so suddenly a $500 loan under Scott Tucker's jurisdiction through these various schemey, smizy, bullshit payday lenders that were set up in states that were often illegal, but were set up through tribal council because they're sovereign states and the feds and states can't come in and uh, and enact, you know, law in the same way that mm-hmm. they would for, for non-sovereign states. A $500 loan would quickly turn into a $1,000 loan. And it is 
egregious. And that is exactly what you're talking about. It is preying on people's weakness and exploiting that for your own benefit. In Scott Tucker's case, it was monetary gain. However, let us all remember again that he is currently sporting the latest orange fashion behind bars. Yeah, so like that like predatory lending is like ex- like you say exploiting the weakness of um people that can't make ends meet and then that weakness is sometimes and I'm not going to even say sometimes, like 99% of the time, not even the person's fault. It's mm. like, because we don't mm. have any social safety nets for people sometimes, well, most of the time. Um, I'm trying to be just like, uh, uh, like not say like all the time, but you know what I'm getting at. I do. Um, I do. So uh, that also makes me think like the politics of weakness makes me think about how we view vulnerability in our society and how like on the one hand i don't i don't know if you agree with me or not like if you don't show vulnerability you can't connect with other people like mm-hmm. cuz vulnerability is what allows us to like make human connections right so if yes. if we're all like just kind of walled off all the time then there's no connection to be made but then um there's also that give and take right so uh if you're too vulnerable that's not good if you're not vulnerable enough and you're always shielding yourself from others because you're paranoid that isolates you and that becomes your vulnerability the fact that you have no no one around you right so <laughs> so it, it, it's kind of like a just damned if you do damned if you don't situation yeah no it's a tough situation and I completely agree with what you said about you know making more authentic connection when you are a little bit vulnerable, you know, it's really hard to want to get to know someone or to establish trust when that wall is up. But similarly, you know, no one wants to be a doormat. No one should be a doormat either. So it's a tightrope. Yeah. So it's funny because um, I've always felt like people tell me things they shouldn't be telling me. And I think it's the story of my life and I love it. I'm I'm totally here for it. (laughs) (laughs) yeah so it's like usually like within meeting like I'm just I guess I don't know if I'm just openly vulnerable to people in in the way that I present myself and I I hold back a lot but I feel like the way that I present myself sometimes it's like oh she's a little bit ditzy and like she just speaks her mind and whatever is in it and like in reality that's not not the case at all um that's just like my affectation I guess but like that affectation makes people feel like comfortable confiding certain things that I'm like "Mm, maybe you shouldn't tell me that not because I'm gonna do anything about it but also because like I worry that that information in the wrong hands is like not ideal. Give me an example. I want to know like an example of some of like something that someone has like laid down on you that you're just like, uh, yeah, probably should not have heard about this. Oh, I have so many. Um, okay. Let me think recently, um, a superior at work confided in me, the superior doesn't like me anyway confided in me about some test scores scores that they had received um on our internal thing and how the scores did reflected that they were not suited for management Ooh, yeah okay that's not all <laughs> yeah that's a really good example <laughs> and i was like hey um 
This is not something you tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Well, and so, like, when you're put into positions like that, how do you typically respond? Like, do you... Um, I just changed the subject. Like, what do you do? <laughs> well, because, yeah, no, and that's why I'm asking, because it's like they're actually putting you in kind of a vulnerable situation because how you respond could, like, further the conversation or it could I make think, them... I think what I said was, I think what I said was something like, um, you know, and, and this is something I truly believe. It's it's not, I'm, I wasn't bullshitting. Like, you know, sometimes... People are not just are just not good test takers and mm, you mm. could have had a bad day and you could have been tired and that doesn't say anything about your abilities really. It's just that you're not good at taking that specific test. Yeah, as a like, poor th- and then change the subject. <laughs> no, as a highly competent person who but a poor test taker, I'm so glad that you threw that out there. But yeah, I mean that is also like some drama starting conversation. And that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm here for. I get that kind of stuff landed on my desk all the time. And I don't know if you recently saw on CoStar's Instagram, shout out to CoStar Astrology, but they had this like rating of like least to most likely to be involved in drama. And Taurus was like way down at the bottom. Like we just don't get involved in that but I am here for the hot goss. I don't want to be entangled in it, but I want to hear all about it. I want to know all about it. I want you to show up. I want you to give me a little bit of Liza Minnelli. I want to give you a little bit of Liz Taylor. I want to know all about the scandal, all about it. Yeah, so I, I agree. Like, I'm kind of the same way in, in insofar that I love drama. I just don't like it when it happens to me. Mm. Um, whenever my ex-fiance and I broke up, there was a lot of drama, obviously, because we'd been together for six years and he's a piece of shit. But um, there's, yeah, a lot of drama involved and it was very draining. And I was like, I thought I liked drama. It's just, I just like being an observer of drama, not a Mm -hmm. participant in it. Yeah. And I, I tend to, so when I got out of my first really bad relationship, there was. It was like the drama was like literally hanging there, just like waiting to drop on me, right? And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. at the time, like I was just like, oh, I know how to take care of this. Deleted my Facebook account, like totally moved apartments and was just like, uh-huh, no, nope, uh-huh, there's no uh-huh. drama here. What drama? I drowned that shit. Yeah, well, that is not what I did. Clearly. Like, uh, I mean, I did block eventually on social media, changed my phone number, you know, things like that, but. There's just a lot of things to kind of divide. Oh, it was um, it was not a clean, yeah, not a clean break. Yeah, but well, there was a lot of feelings involved, also mostly rage on my part and um, shame on his. But you know, <laughs> I'm fueled by rage. So speaking <laughs> of rage, speaking of things that enrage me, um, President Trump is going to England, right? To the mm-hmm. UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and today's event that we are discussing is an opinion column on The Guardian mm-hmm. about uh, Trump visiting uh, Theresa May and how basically the opinion piece boils down to please don't fawn over him. He sees this as weakness. Don't make us look stupid. <laughs> Yeah, no, and I thought this was a really interesting article. Um, and and kind of going back to what you were talking about at the beginning, Adriana, about, like, forming relationships and having that little bit of vulnerability out there. Like, um, 
Trumpism and like the art of the deal, I think, is primarily based on a negation of showing vulnerability to the extreme. And I think that that in part is why I'm so like entirely turned off by it. Um, because it's this very misogynistic, patriarchal, like tyrannical um, 90s uh, way of seeing the world. And I'm just not here for it. Yeah, no, neither am I. But um, I thought what was interesting that in in this opinion piece, it's like, please don't make us look basically stupid in, in front of the United States. And like, he sees this as weakness. It's like, like, kind of like, don't be vulnerable. Don't be weak. But it's kind of it's, it's kind of like this dance that we always do of like, don't let your opponent see your hand, you know, um, and like that kind of sometimes can create more drama than it resolves. Well, and to you, like, it just kind of strikes me as funny, you know, like, don't embarrass us. Like, <laughs> on behalf of America, I am so embarrassed. Like, the humiliation is just like ongoing. So if there's any like moment where you can just like step out of your own shoes and like recognize that we are at the lowest so of the low like so yeah. yeah like i am more embarrassed by donald trump than i was embarrassed by the fictional precedent in love actually oh and that's yeah that's some shade that is some shade i am more embarrassed by donald trump than the eyebrows that were drawn onto me for my quinceanera. And if you saw pictures of that time, you would know what I am saying. Clap back. <laughs> oh, oh my God. I am more embarrassed of Donald Trump than I am of that time my mom put sun in spray in my hair and my hair turned bright orange red. <laughs> Oh, this is a fun game. <laughs> I was 14. <laughs> I am more embarrassed by Donald Trump than that time that I queefed in one of my college classes and totally tried to play it off like it was something that I did with my mouth. a good game guys please join us at home yeah call us, us yeah call us 915-996-1699 or tweet at us i <laughs> politics you're welcome <laughs> oh i can play this game all day but let's move on to where we see the politics of weakness in this chapter like very briefly before we talk about our characters yeah, I think there are so many instances of yes. weakness and how you perceive weakness. So for me, one example is Snape. Like, is... <laughs> always. Always. Like, is his over-the-top reaction and tyrannical, you know, pedagogical style a sort of byproduct of his own inability to show weakness because of his experiences, like, as a schoolboy being bullied and picked on? And, like, he... It's kind of weird because, like, it seemed like his time at Hogwarts was somewhat hellish, and yet that is where he ended up. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's almost as if, like, he never exited his adolescence and instead just grew into a very 
sort of weak man within the same context. Well, and then also that idea of I'm going to wall myself off and I'm going to act like extra aggressively and be very stern, right? That in itself is a weakness because you're close, like I said, you're closing yourself off to the world and you're, you're not going to have a support system other than like what fucking Dumbledore. Right. Who honestly, like, yeah, he's here for you, but he's got some bigger fish to fry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And like, because Dumbledore is the only one who knows about his vulnerability and that's the only like connection that he has been able to make because he doesn't allow anyone else to know about his vulnerability, which in turn makes him a piece of shit. Yeah, totally. And, you know, his relationship with like, I think probably after Dumbledore, the person that is maybe the most like cordial to him is McGonagall. But I think that that's yes. just because she's like a good person and knows how like she's clearly trained in social graces. Right. But but. Like you're saying, she is not privy to why Snape is the way that he is. Um, and no, no one is. No one is. Well, and speaking of McGonagall, uh, we also see uh, one of her weaknesses being exploited when Harry's like, but please, Quidditch is so important to the Gryffindors, right? <laughs> Hell yes, I didn't just hand select you in the first year to lose. <laughs> During Oliver's last year, and poor Oliver, talk about weakness. I mean, that for him is a sign of somehow failing, you know, for him to have his last year and to not take home the Quidditch World Cup for Gryffindor. He sees that as a personal weakness. And the team, like... The the Quidditch Cup, not the World Cup? Oh my god. Freudian slip. Somebody's been watching some FIFA lately. (laughs) (laughs) You knew what I meant. But you know what? And Oliver also like displays a little bit of this walling off when Cedric kind of smiles at him and he just like does not engage. You're like, he's trying to be nice, you guys. (laughs) Yeah, he totally pretends like he has like lockjaw or whatever. And then, of course, after the their defeat, he's like, I was kind of upset that he couldn't even go like make sure Harry was okay. Like, yeah, I, I get it. This is like a devastating blow or whatever, but. You know, he did fall 50 feet into a pool of soul-sucking dementors. Like, maybe instead of trying to drown yourself in the shower, you could have, like, popped up to make sure that your youngest seeker ever was okay. I don't know. Yeah, well, I think I, I think with everything, it's like that Quidditch is his weakness, and his weakness is that he, like, cares so much about it. That's right. I think that's right. Yeah. Like... I mean, I mean, yeah, I agree. He should have been at the hospital wing. Uh, as a good leader, you kind of put your personal feelings aside and you make sure that your team is okay. Yeah. Yeah. But no, he's like self, like, he's just, he's just wallowing in self-pity at the moment. And I think a little bit less of him for that, but. Yeah, a little bit. Can I talk about a moment of weakness that to me was actually a moment of strength? And this may even come into the character development section. So that sounds great because like we said, vulnerability is not necessarily a weakness. Yes. So Ron Weasley has kind of always been somebody who's like, I don't know. When I think about Ron, like I think about a lot of my guy friends growing up who were just like kind of going through the motions, you know, like they had some really good friends and that was kind of the best thing going about them until later on when they were able to find out more about themselves and kind of like claim their own identity, right? But um, 
In this chapter, Ron does something kind of remarkable. He stands up to Professor Snape, who, I don't care who you are, like, Snape has a way of instilling fear into his students. Like, Neville isn't the only one who's intimidated by him, you know? And yet, like, he is so pissed off at how Snape has humiliated Hermione, just humiliated her in front of her peers. And to me, like, it was weakness because it could be perceived as weakness because he he couldn't contain himself. Like, the, it, it says in the chapter that the class knew in that moment that he'd gone too far. Like, it was, like, this moment of weakness where he just, like, you know, spurted out what he said. But I saw that as a moment of great strength. You know, like, yeah, maybe you crossed a line, but was it worth crossing? And did it need to be crossed in the first place? Yes, totally. Well, it's also... um different because it's like for instance I can say whatever the fuck I want about my brother like someone I love right but if some asshole says the same thing I'll be like oh hold up sit down you sit down and you don't talk about my brother that way so it's it's a similar situation because Ron is always like Hermione you're a know-it-all but like it's it's different also because when it comes from Ron, maybe it comes from a place of more like affection. So that was my next Snape. question. Yeah, that was my next question is like in terms of like character development and emotional vibration, like is this kind of our first real glimpse into Ron having feelings for Hermione? Like, yeah, I think you could definitely argue that this is something that you would do for a very close friend. But, you know, Harry's not the one that said it. It's Ron. Yeah, and, and like, this is something we would associate more with Harry than with Ron, like, this, like, display of just almost foolish braveness, like, braveness, you know, like, yes. I said what I said, which I, I, I identify with. But, same, um, <laughs> same. Sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. But, oh, I, another thing I wanted to talk about um, very quickly before we went into characters themselves, um, Snape in the classroom wanting to discuss werewolves for the reason we all know that he wants to discuss werewolves is also an attempt of exploiting someone's weakness that goes awry to a certain extent. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it also shows, again, a glimpse into Snape's weakness, that he is still so impacted by what happened to him by Lupin, by James, by Sirius, you know, during their youth, that now that he occupies this position of power as this teacher, he's going to exploit Lupin's weakness in order to gain. Well, and also, um, then he talked about a little bit, and, and that's that the part that was most telling to me was when he was like, Oh, Professor Lupin only did this, and he gave you this grade. I wouldn't have given you this grade. I would have been much tougher. You guys are not up to par. So kind of just like he's so threatened by this person that he feels the constant need to shit on him. Mm -hmm. And Lupin just turns around and just gracefully like evades him. Not in this chapter, but in future and past chapters, just evades it altogether and does not engage. No, not Again, at all. My hero. <laughs> Hashtag Pisces. I'm so excited. Oh my god. <laughs> Someone in this house needs to have an, an even keeled temper. <laughs> oh my gosh. Your child is going to be like Blue Ivy to Beyonce and JC. Like, don't clap. Shut up. Totally. 
Totally. Oh my god. She is gonna keep us in line. Do you think it's a she? I'm hoping, dude. I've I've got a feeling and I'm hoping. I really want a girl. Okay. No, but you know what? Honestly, I have to stop saying that. Honestly, I really do. Because really at the end of the day, I want a healthy baby with ten fingers and ten toes. That's what I want. Yeah, no, I understand. I think if I were to make the um, journey into motherhood willingly, um, (laughs) (laughs) not against my will, um, please, universe, be kind to me. Um, I think I would like a girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I understand. I understand. Also, I'd be terrified if it was a girl, but it's like a 50-50 split. Oh, and I, I'm terrified regardless, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> equal parts excited, equal parts terrified. All right, let's move on to character development, um, because I think we've, we're already almost in there, right? Mm-hmm. So, Erin, um, start us off. So I think, uh, like we talked about, there's so many instances of being able to talk about this politic in this chapter. But um, aside from Ron sort of like stepping up and kind of like showing this different side of him that, that I don't think we've really seen to date, um, I was also rather um, – we don't really get to talk or we don't really get to see much about um, – Dumbledore, like, and we don't, I'm trying to figure out how to word this. We don't often get, I think, like, direct insight into Dumbledore's, like, emotions and feelings. He's kind of closed off from us in that way. But this moment where Harry's falling and he's going into that sea of Dementors and, you know, Hermione and Ron remark later that they'd never seen Dumbledore like that. He was so enraged. You know, he flew into the into the arena and, you know, slowed Harry's fall down, but then also, you know, used a Patronus, assumedly, to um, dispatch the rest of the Dementors. Is Harry a weakness for Dumbledore? And again, knowing that weakness doesn't necessarily need to be, or that vulnerability doesn't need to be equivocated with weakness or as something bad, but, you know... I think he's a blind spot, you know? He elicits an, uh, an emotion and a reaction out of Dumbledore that the other students don't. Not to say that he cares any less about any of the other students, but Harry is, like you're saying, like either a blind spot or just something different for Dumbledore. But Aaron, I think it's a combination. And I, I, let me elaborate on this. I think, yes, Harry is a blind spot for Dumbledore and he's able to elicit more of a reaction, right, than other students. But I think that is heightened by the reaction that Professor Dumbledore has towards Dementors. That's interesting. No, that's really interesting because it's not like he hasn't. We've seen him be enraged, even though he tries to control it, about the fact that Dementors are here. That's so true. And he even mentions to Percy, like, rather coldly, you know, that, yeah, the Dementors wanted to help. find Sirius while he was in the building, but he would never let them cross the threshold so long as he was headmaster, which is another interesting conversation about weakness, like architectural weakness, institutional weakness, like the fact that Sirius Black got in to Hogwarts is like a huge weakness. Like all of the professors are just like, 
WTF. Like, we have a Dementor at every freaking door. There's enchantments up the yin-yang. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's really weird that, um, like, they, they just don't... Maybe part of the weakness is that they haven't examined the past as much as they think they have. And is there some kind of, like, mm, bias around magical creatures? Like, oh, we're, you know, secure up the asshole when it comes to potential threats that walk on two legs. But, you know, a mangy black dog can slip into Hogwarts with ease because... Or, you know, Aragog or the Basilisk. Right. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I'm just like, yeah. Casual, casual things. Very casual things. Just, you know, little pests. Just, yeah, things that you're in minor inconvenience. So for me, um, I have a lot of things to think about in terms of character. But I'd like to examine a character that I don't think we've spoken a lot about. I mean, we talked about um, Dumbledore. We talked about Snape. We talked about Lupin. We talked about McGonagall. We talked about um, Oliver, right? But we didn't talk about Percy. Ah, Percy. Percy's weakness or vulnerability is not necessarily exploited. It is used, well, it is used to make him be responsible for the children in the beginning. Yeah. Right? So it's like. His self-importance is such that he will do such a great job, not because he cares about the kids, but because he cares about his reputation, right? Yeah, Um, yeah. So that is kind of exploited or used or shaped by Dumbledore in, like, saying, like, you know, even before this moment and, like, giving him the head boy title. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. and knowing that that title is going to propel him to do a good job. Um, but also in this moment of like, he's in charge and the head girl is also in charge and they're going to be responsible for all these children. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think I thought like, and, and we see a little bit of his weakness because he's also kind of veers straight into like authority, like, won't the Dementors uh, want to help? And if you're like, no, no. <laughs> Just because they're uh, guards doesn't mean that they should be in this. Remember all those children that we had here? <clears throat> yeah. Let's not, thanks. All of my kindness is taken for weakness. Now I'm <laughs> four, five seconds from violence. All right. When how how do we like move on from here singing this? That was that was the perfect transition into deep dive quotes. What are you talking about? Okay, okay, sure, sure. Tra- consider this transition. <laughs> Adriana, what's your deep dive quote? What do you what do you got today? Um, another episode, another quote with Snape. I I don't know what's going on with me. We're on, yeah, no, we're on a, we're on a bender here. I feel like I'm fixated. Okay, so, (laughs) this is after, uh, Hermione's trying to explain again, like, answer a question that Snape actually asked, and how dare she, how dare she, the, oh, that gall of that Hermione, okay, um, 
says, <clears throat> That is the second time you've spoken out of turn, Miss Granger, said Snape coolly. Five more points from Gryffindor for being an insufferable know-it-all. Hermione went very red, put down her hand, and stared at the floor with her eyes full of tears. It was a mark of how much the class loathed Snape that they were all glaring at him, because every one of them had called Hermione a know-it-all at least once. And Ron, who told Hermione that she was know-it-all at least twice a week, said loudly, you asked us a question, and she knows the answer. Why ask if you don't want to be told? The class knew instantly he'd gone too far. Snape advanced on Ron slowly, and the room held its breath. Detention, Weasley, said. S Snape said sulkily, his face very close to Ron's. And if I ever hear you criticize the way I teach a class again, you will be very sorry indeed. Um... And I want to talk about um, many weaknesses, a lot of which we've talked about a little bit before. Snape's weakness is in insisting that he has the power all the time mm -hmm. and not showing any vulnerability mm -hmm. and, and trying to like be this person that is just like a heart of stone. Um, Hermione's vulnerability is that even though she's very bright, she still has to care about what other people think. And that's not a weakness necessarily right because you we all care about what people think but also she cares about people in authority like professors what they think of her and how she is performing in, and, in classrooms and potentially even like a, a possible weakness for her is like the need to share the answer like the need to be able to prove and illustrate time and time again that like she has the answer um, yes you know playing devil's advocate for a moment <clears throat> and not on Snape's behalf, but just for argumentative, for argument's sake, it's like, if, if he's not calling on you the first time and you have already had previous experiences with him and his teaching style, like why <clears throat> insist on trying to be recognized when you know, you know, the answer, you know, you have the knowledge, you and and like and what is it really to have the approval or uh the nod from Snape that you're correct like what does that actually or, mean from a professor who you don't respect or is it tenacity though is it or because like when you said like if you've had previous you know interactions with this person in the past like and, and I know it's not this is not a, like a very elegant connection that I'm making but um it made me think like then why are we still fighting for women's rights if we already know the patriarchy is not about them? Well, let me... Like, like I don't know, like, I, I know it's, it's not an elegant, obviously, like, connection that I'm making, but... No, it is, it is. But I also think you have to pick and choose your battles, right? Like, am I going to waste my time standing outside of an abortion clinic arguing with and belittling people for making a decision to, you know, exercise their rights, their reproductive rights, um, and, and the people who protest against that and belittle the people who are going in? Or am I going to, you know, donate to Planned Parenthood, call representatives, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, attend rallies, you know, like, um, what is the best method by which to get that point across or to fight for what it is that you believe in? So Hermione, in this case, it's like, yeah, she knows that Snape isn't going to 
it's like she are like it is it's like is it tenacious or is it like continuing with the same action yeah and and not getting a different result do you know what I mean see but the difference is also that he is asking the question right so it's like but it's a trap it's a trap and she knows it's it's a a trap trap. like it's and so like and so why even give him the satisfaction of like raising your hand and like being like i know the answer like it wouldn't it be wouldn't it be a better act of resistance to sit there knowing that you know the fucking answer and waiting for lupin to come back to get praised by him and to be taught more by him and to take that and use that knowledge against snape one day which they they levy their knowledge against snape in countless chapters and books to come. Even I, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm quite excited, in fact, for the point in which Hermione gets to leverage all the knowledge that she learned about werewolves against Snape at the conclusion of this book. But that's that I, I, I entirely see the point that you're making. And I think it actually is a very elegant comparison. My response is just that it's... It's like in my and in, in the comparison that you like you like you elicited, like I understand what you're saying, like, but it's almost like like Snape is a troll, he's gonna win no matter what, you know? And like I understand that you're like Hermione, don't like waste your breath on this person, which is also my default stance on trolls. Like he's going to huff and puff and be happy no matter what, because if she doesn't um, answer the question she's gonna be like yes you're a bunch of imbeciles like I knew this already um and he's gonna be happy about that too like it, it doesn't even matter like he always wins because he has that like supposed power and control but maybe for Hermione like her vulnerability is that she like you said she feels a need to like share her knowledge and she share that she knows and maybe that's far more important to her than sticking it to him oh totally yeah no 100 percent, 100 percent. so um i and then we also talked about ron and how he stuck up for hermione which i i left that part in my quote because that that's him also showing his vulnerability but from a po- position of strength even though he does get detention afterwards but like like that is what i'm talking about when it's like yeah that was an active resistance that was worth the while like yeah you got detention but like you momentarily hit him where it fucking hurt and and you did it for someone that you love for the future wife for the future wife for the future mrs weasley all right, what's, what's your quote about? So my quote um, is actually about someone that we haven't talked about this chapter, and it's like a seemingly small instance, but like, ugh, it's just like so fucking typical. This comes on page 169 of the Scholastic Edition. Um, the day before the match, the winds reached howling point, and the rain fell harder than ever. It was so dark inside the corridors and classrooms that extra torches and lanterns were lit. The Slytherin team was looking very smug indeed, and none more so than Malfoy. Oh, if only my arm were feeling a bit better, he sighed as he, as the gale outside pounded on the windows. So in this chapter, you know, Gryffindor is supposed to play Slytherin and it's, it's something that they've been training for, for a, a hot minute. Um, but there's all this like weather outside and it is nasty and team Slytherin decides why risk it? Why go out there and try to beat the odds against this weather? let's just call it let's just you know and Malfoy fakes this like arm injury so that he's too weak to play and 
in this instance, like it's so exploitative, you know, because it's a lie. It's a bold-faced lie. And they are using this like fake injury in order to avoid having to play in terrible circumstances, leaving Gryffindor to have to play Hufflepuff, which lessens their chance of having to beat Slytherin ultimately for the Quidditch Cup. So it's not exactly the same kind of weakness that we've talked about throughout the rest of this chapter, but it's exploitative still, you know, and it's uh, manipulative and deceptive and just like ugly. It's just ugly. You know, um, I have questions. Mm. I have questions as to how you can call off a game due to a supposed injury and not have it checked. That's a really good question. Yes. Like, why didn't Madam Hooch then be like, okay, yeah, we just need to sign note from Madam Pomfrey and then, you know, case is closed. Does that have anything to do with the affluence of the Malfoys? Oh, I think it has everything to do with the affluence of the Malfoys. (laughs) But yeah, like, it's just, how does that even logically, like, oh, you know, like, every time I had a period headache or, like, period cramps and I couldn't run, I was forced to. And maybe, like, I had shitty PE teachers. Probably. Probably I did. But um, we weren't, like, a lot of girls weren't allowed to just sit it out with, like, oh, yeah, I have cramps. Yeah. that Or, or you did, I remember I did have to have, like, some kind of note like, from the nurse that was, note, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that was, like, that's, I think, kind of problematic to you because it's, like, you almost had to kind of, like, prove that you were on your, I don't know. It's, I don't, like, that's not good. Like, yeah, no, <laughs> I was going to say something very disgusting, but let's move on. <laughs> no, I think we'd all like to hear that now. Pretty sure we're all here for that. <laughs> no, no, let's not. Anyway, um, but so, so we but talked so about like, our- and he's like, sh- he's, he's like not ashamed at all. Do you know what I mean? Like he's, it's clear that he's faking it to everyone around him, but he's not ashamed at all of the fact that he's. That, like, his team has decided to, like, I mean, are they more or less basically saying that, like, Gryffindor is so good that, like, they can't risk fight, like, playing in these conditions because it would more or less, like, assure their loss? Isn't that, like, basically what they're implying through these actions? And are they too stupid to see that? Also, they're really implying they're just above playing in those conditions, like... Like, no, 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 you don't understand. This is not what I signed up for. I need excellent weather conditions or, you know, otherwise we're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Gross. Pathetic. Oh, privilege. 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 Ugh. Speaking of privilege, what does your quote make you think about the politics of imprisonment or anything else in this chapter that makes you think about that? This was kind of a a hard one to bring back to imprisonment, um, but I think think the correlation that I want to make is um, something that I've kind of referenced before, that, like, you can be imprisoned by your own character flaws or weaknesses. You know, like, for Snape, like, his inability to have a vulnerable side or to show weakness 
is in fact a greater weakness for him and for his pedagogy. And he is imprisoned by his behaviors and his actions. Like he could, because he is really knowledgeable in potions. He could be a respected and even like maybe liked professor, but um, he chooses daily to go down a much more treacherous path. And so I think Snape imprisons his own self and his own ability to be a different and better person. And it's, it's all tied up in him. Well, and we've, yeah, we've talked about this before. And I think I would, what I would like to add to this, because it's the only thing I need to add to this is that as we spoke about earlier, vulnerability allows you to connect with other people. And if you cannot allow yourself to be vulnerable with others, you're not going to make meaningful connections. And what is imprisonment? Anything other than isolating people away from society. So you're mm. already doing that by mm. virtue of not making meaningful connections. That's really beautifully put. Now to conclude with our one of our favorite sections, media, 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 media. consumption, <laughs> consumption, consumption, consumption. <laughs> Adriana, what media have you been consuming lately? <laughs> uh, so I've been catching up on that uh, TV show Elementary that um, is kind of like Sherlock Holmes in modern day America with a female Watson. Yeah, um, I wanted to watch that, by, but I haven't. Played by the incomparable Lucy Liu. Um, love her. Love her. Um, and at first, I scoffed at this show. I really did. I was like, what are you trying to be? Sherlock from the BBC? You can't do this. You can't do this. But um, it marries my love of crime procedurals. <laughs> And my love of Sherlock Holmes and also my love of gender bending uh, roles. And uh, yeah, it's pretty good. What are, you str- what are you streaming it on? Hulu. Okay, I'm going to check it out. I, th- I think they may have all of it on Hulu right now, but yeah. I, <clears throat> I need a new series and that sounds really good. It's a... Uh, and I am sorry, I, I, this is a controversial opinion, so I'm just going to uh, say it anyway, because I am Ron Weasley. Um, I like it more now than I like Sherlock from BBC series. Ooh, high praise indeed. Yeah, no, I'm definitely going to check it out then. But it's not like, I like Sherlock from the BBC series um, cinematically. It's beautiful. Beautifully right? shot. Agreed. Yeah. It's beautifully shot. It's so well acted. So obviously the quality of those things is not going to be the same in a show that has like 20 episodes a season or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Versus right. four. Right. Um, but the plots are very like it's like Seth was saying something yesterday and I thought it was really true as, as I was, he was watching me watch this show. <laughs> he was like, you know what? I feel like the plotting is a lot better because it's just, it, it, it encompasses like that half hour plot that is meant to be half hour, not a half hour plot that is stretched for an hour. 
That's a good point. Deviations and detours, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and I mean, sure, BBC Sherlock does it artfully. I I feel like, but in later seasons, it just became too clunky for me. Yeah. No, I think that's good feedback. Yeah, I'm gonna check it out. So, what are you reading? I am reading What to Expect When You Are Expecting. I call back, call back to the beginning of the, pe- the episode where she said she was pregnant. Just call back, just in case you forgot. And you know, as a recovering English major right now, like I feel like I have to absorb so much information. Like I'm just like I've gone into deep research mode, and I think I'm. In, I think I scared my mom. Like I'm just like take me to the library, take me to the bookstore. Like it's just like taking everything off the shelves. Like ka 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 ka. I've started like an annotated bibliography. I'm just like I will know everything I need to know about this pregnancy, and then I still won't know anything because that is how that's how this that's goes. How it works. That's how yeah. this goes. Yeah. Um, but like I feel like I just need this to abate some of my terror at you know, creating a life and then like expelling it from my body and raising it. So, um, listeners, if you have any fair, 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 fair listeners, if you have any suggestions for, uh, texts or podcasts or any other sort of media that like really got you through your pregnancy and into parenting, I'd love to know about them. All right. Well, did you get a baby name book? Yeah. Well, not yet. And like, there are several names that I've already like been circling around for some time. But it's like, I don't know, it's interesting. Like once I found out I was pregnant, most of those names went out the window. So the baby, (laughs) the baby book names is like the next purchase. Um, But I also kind of want to hold off until I know the sex. Yeah, Um, yeah. Just because like, I don't want to like, this is a weird thing to say, but like, I don't want to fall in love with a name and then not be able to use it. Does that make sense? That's weird. Yeah, no, that's weird. weird. It's fine. Okay. Okay. Are we thinking like leaning towards something classic or something a little bit more trendy? It, it's a little bit of both. Like, you know, I, I'm not leaning towards names like blanket or star, but, um, Names like Zeke and Dorothea are also out, um, but I'm somewhere kind of like in the middle. Like, uh, uh, it's hard to even, I, I like, I loathe to even say it because I don't know. It feels like something that I don't want to share even, but like. Oh, no, you don't have to. Okay, I'll text I'm you just, later. I'll totally text okay. you later. Because like there is a name in my mind, but like, yeah, like I said, like I'm trying really hard not to fall in love with it. So I'll text it to you later. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> You know, it's a shame because, like, <clears throat> I know I, I joke a lot about, like, not wanting children. And the truth is, I do not want children at this point in time. That doesn't mean I'm, like, completely closed off to the idea or, like, the possibility. It's just, like, with my career where it is right now, it's just not. Um, I already have four different name combinations picked out, two boys, two girls. So it's, like, it's not even, like... It's done. It's done. Like, it's, I don't even have to think about that. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) So, so that's, that's the, the lesson is, uh, I already have all these things picked out, even though I, the lady doth protest too much. The lady doth. Well, and like, like I said, I thought I had names picked out, but once I found out, it was just like, nope, none of those, none of those work. I don't like the way that any of those sound anymore. (laughs) 
You know what my mom did? Um, the reason I'm named Adriana is because she took like five names she really, really liked and she couldn't decide. And she put them all in a bag and she just like picked one out of the bag. Wow. That's all that happened. Yes. Wow. The lottery. Yeah. And then my middle name is her name. So it doesn't even, you know, like. Yeah. There's also a lot of pressure from like parent our parents to like name the kids like after grandparents or you know and I'm just like no I want them to have like their whole own identity like that's what family trees are for you know you can learn all about the first and the second by but like let them have their own identity naming is so important you know I do like that kind of idea but only because I have excellently named grandmothers um on like both Seth's side and my side and I've always wanted to like carry that on and they're both you know deceased so it's not like they'll be oh yeah no and I and I also don't want to knock anyone that does name like like, like, I'm not trying to knock that at all at all oh oh oh, wait wait if I was named after one of like my parents grandmothers I would have killed them (laughs) <laughs> because they had terrible names. What I'm saying is sometimes that's not an option because your grandparents had terrible names. It's so true. My mom, I'll share with you listeners, has thrown out a name uh, to us for a girl. Conchita Pajmera. Oh, like, no. Wow. Wow, mom. Wow. No. Mm. Is she going to, is she going to like whatever you named, named this? baby if it's a girl she's it will forever be conchita it will forever be concha yeah no no but she's gonna start calling her calling her conchita as like a nickname it's gonna catch and that's the way she's gonna get that yep that's pretty much the pathway yeah Mm -hmm. okay cool 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 cool. all right go mom You guys, we've had so much fun. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Occupolitics. That's all we have for today, but we'll be back next week discussing the politics of privacy and surveillance in Chapter 10, The Marauder's Map of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban by J.K. Rowling. And from Aaron, Conchita, and I, <laughs> until then, <laughs> politics managed. <laughs> Listeners, please rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts or anywhere where you listen to our podcast so that we can keep growing. Another way you can help us to keep growing is to recommend us to your friends. Long story short, we want to reach as many people as possible and we've been growing, but you know, we can always grow more. You can find us online at www.occupolitics.com. We're at Occupolitics on Twitter and on Instagram. You can also leave us a voicemail with your thoughts by calling 915-996-1699. Drop us a virtual owl at info at occupolitics.com or at occupolitics at gmail.com. This podcast was produced by Adriana Wilson and Aaron Barrio.
Our theme music was crafted by the amazing Kayla Sluka, who is not just a composer, but also a great photographer. You can find her at www.treasureroots.com.